Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Now for today's episode and the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. There are a couple of reasons why I'm doing this and the first is because I'm practicing what I preach and I have designed the next few weeks for my business as a time when I will not be producing brand new podcast content. So I am really following in my own ideals and footsteps of trying to have that business by design. It's Christmas all over the world and we are starting our Christmas holidays in our family a little bit earlier this year which is amazing and we're going to be on a lovely beach somewhere. I don't want to make those of you in the uh, colder parts of the world feel jealous but that's what we're doing and it's extremely exciting and we can't wait. But as a result of that, I realized that I was going to have to batch a lot of brand new content at a time when I'm sure all of you out there can relate, the world and our lives are very, very busy places. So instead, what I've decided to do is to re-release my episodes where I've interviewed incredible, empowered CEOs, and we've had amazing discussions about their mindset journey. So hopefully you will enjoy these re-releases. I absolutely love these episodes. They all have such a different character and they bring so many amazing golden nuggets to the conversation. It's really been wonderful for me to revisit these conversations. They are brilliant. I don't do a ton of interviews on self-sabotage to success, but I think you'll agree that the ones I have done so far have been such engaging, interesting conversations, thanks to the amazing guests who have been kind enough to give up their time and be really open and at times vulnerable about their own mindset journey, their journey into entrepreneurship, their journey into feeling like that empowered CEO. So without further ado, I will begin where I began in 2020 with my very first interview guest, Pam Hamilton. And I absolutely love this episode. I know that it's been one of the most popular of the whole podcast series. And with great reason, Pam talks about how she has really designed her own business, Paraffin, to give her that fantastic freedom of when she works, how she works best, and also importantly to create that wonderful supportive team around her. I absolutely love this episode and I hope that you can settle down wherever you are in the world with a cup of tea and a mince pie or perhaps a glass of wine if you're somewhere a little bit balmier like I am and enjoy Pam's journey again. If you haven't listened to Pam's journey before then you are in for an even bigger treat and I'm super glad to re-release this episode for your listening pleasure. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Resign and Shine podcast. As I said, today's program is an interview and it's super empowering and very inspiring, I think, to any of you out there who are ready to make that jump into being a full-time business CEO of your own purpose-led business and to really making that leap from the corporate world into entrepreneurship and being an empowered CEO. So today's guest is the wonderful Pam Hamilton. Pam Hamilton is the MD and the business owner of the company Paraffin, which is an award-winning innovations and capabilities agency. Pam and her team are world experts in online workshops and they work with some of the world's biggest global brands to really supercharge them in terms of insight, innovation and capability building. In addition, Pam has become a real voice in her industry and she has a book out which is called The Workshop Book and she is about to release a new book called Supercharged Teams which is out in February 2021. This is a really inspiring conversation and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. This episode is a little longer, so you may need to use two commutes to listen to this week's episode of the Resign and Shine podcast, but you're not going to want to miss it, especially 
especially if you're absolutely ready to turn your side hustle into your amazing full-time purpose-led business. In this episode, you can hear how Pam made it happen and some of the really key mindset shifts and mindset challenges that she had to overcome to bring herself to the position where she is absolutely now the empowered CEO of her own purpose and passion-led business. Hi, Pam. Hello, Lucy. Hi, welcome. And thank you so much for being my guest on the Resign and Shine podcast. It's fantastic to have you here. No problem. I've been really looking forward to it, Lucy. It's lovely to see you again. Just for any listeners out there who are interested as to how Pam and I know each other, we actually worked together about 17 or 18 years ago, which really shows both our ages. But um, it's been really great getting back in contact with Pam and hearing about the amazing work she's been doing. So I thought she would be a fantastic interviewee for the podcast. So Pam, can you just start off and tell us a little bit about what you do and your business, just to give everyone a real taster of who you are? Yes, Lucy, thank you. So I am the MD of Paraffin, which is a innovation and capabilities business. We're a consultancy that work all over the world, but are primarily based in the UK. And we work remotely. We always have done. We're eight years old. And we have some big corporate clients that we work with on a variety of different uh, projects, like, for example, training the whole of Diageo on anti-gender stereotyping. And we've also done a lot of online workshops. We were doing them before COVID. And obviously now we're doing a lot of them at the moment. So um, that's my sort of work, my business. We've got about 30 people working in our business. But the main thing that I am focusing on now is uh, being a business author. So I have written the workshop book, which is a book that I wrote and launched in 2016. And then my new book is coming out, which is called Supercharged Teams, The 30 Tools of Great Teamwork, which is coming out in February 21. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Pam. And of course, I will put links in the show notes to everything that Pam references. So her existing book and also her future book. And I think we'll talk about it a bit at the end, but she has a little gift for you, um, which she is going to offer as an exclusive to Resign and Shine podcast listeners. So thank you so much for that description of what you do. It sounds fascinating and absolutely brilliant that you already had that flexibility pre-COVID to exist and thrive in this um, online world. Thanks, Lucy. Well, to be honest, it's the way that we've always worked because we are a group of people who work in different places from different parts of the world. Many of us in our business are uh, mothers or work in charities or also do um, public sector work or maybe we're artists or maybe we're actors. There's a whole range of people in the business and we've always chosen from the beginning to work remotely, to make the best use of our time and to have the time that we want and the energy that we want to spend on our other projects. Oh, I love that. And I love how uh, nimble that sounds compared to possibly a bigger organisation or maybe the world that you came from in corporate. Yeah, that's right. You know, the remote working thing, as I keep saying, is not new for us. But what's absolutely fantastic amongst the uh, you know difficulties of this year is that people are realizing just how efficient it can be i mean we've always had a particular culture of working remotely which is very careful from the beginning we've always said cameras on no matter what you're talking about so that we're always seeing each other trying to you know benefit from those non-verbal cues but we also there's lots of other cultural things you have to have around working remotely you know you've got to have tr- Uh, absolutely full transparency Um, you've got to really really trust the people in your team you know so much so that every single person in our team we trust a hundred percent and so that's never in question uh, in terms of the way that we work and also we have some I guess behavioral things that we've all agreed are the ways that we want to work so we know how we should communicate with each other and how we do so in the best possible uh, most positive way so you know remote working for us has always been about setting up really great expectations from the beginning and making sure that we all stick to them and our clients are starting to realize that you know it's possible for them to do so too wow that's brilliant so you're really kind of spreading the uh the ways the culture that you've developed out into the wider world, which is lovely to hear. Can can you tell me, Pam, a bit about your journey from the corporate world into your own business of 30 people and quite a sort of broad team with a really strong uh, identity and culture? Yes. So, Lucy, I'd always wanted to work 
for myself, or at least I'd always wanted to become independent one day, but I never had the confidence to do it. Um, I was always worried, I guess, like many of the people listening about, you know, money and would I be able to support my family and would I, would I be good enough for people to want to come to me if I wasn't in a team and would I be able to offer something unique? Um, you know, all of those different questions which really did worry me. And at the time I was working at ITV and I was lucky enough to be working with an amazing business partner called Claire Thompson and she and I um, had the choice at a particular time of restructuring to leave ITV and start up on our own. And because Claire was with me, we did it together. And that really, really helped me. So making the, um, the jump, not being alone and being with somebody else, it gave us both confidence. And I probably wouldn't have done it so early without her. That's really interesting. And that's something I talk to my clients about that importance of building your network, building your accountability partners, building in those kind of business besties. That's the phrase that I hear mm. a lot of on Instagram. It's not one I massively use, but I, I think it's so valuable, especially for women starting out, because we often do have these inbuilt mindset issues around, am I good enough? Can I make it alone? Can I make it without a big brand behind me? Um, who would listen to little old me? That kind of, those kind of inner demons really that that can talk us out of things before we even start so how did you um overcome that either with Claire or with your own mindset and your own thinking um, I like the business besties I've not heard that before <laughs> yeah we absolutely were business besties and we and we still are friends now even though um we don't work in the same business anymore you know what what we did was one of the things that Claire and I did when we first started our business together was we we were like professional partners, obviously. And so we did things like, we, we, because we work in innovation and we work in creativity and we were working for a lot of amazing TV clients at the time, we did dates. So we would say, you know, let's go and see this exhibition together. Let's go and take photos in this space together. So, so we did things which gave us both inspiration that we could then bring into our project. So I guess, especially when you're starting out and perhaps you're not as busy as you would like to be, you can still make use of that time to really enrich yourself, learn something. And I, you know, I still do that today. I'm still taking at least two online courses at the moment as I run my business. And by the way, I, I do work full time, you know, I'm working absolutely every single day of the week and full time. But that time that I'm working is the is what I choose to spend my time on and my energy on. And it's where I choose to sort of channel my passion. So it's even though it's still full time, it feels like I'm in control of it and I can choose what I want to do. And so that's what we did at the time. So we made the best of the time that we had and really enriched ourselves. I think um, sort of more recently, what I ended up doing when I started um, my business by myself after working with Claire and we're still great friends, by the way, but um, we don't work together. Um, when I started my business with Claire, it was the two of us sort of helping each other with our confidence issues and, uh, you know, giving each other advice and, and feedback and, and really sort of supporting each other. When I went out on my own, I really did struggle with a couple of things. Imposter syndrome, which is absolutely crazy and I still have it right now. <laughs> and then also... Um, just you know the, the what came out of my corporate world um, experience was this absolute crazy worth work ethic, which meant that I was working myself pretty much into the ground, and you know I had absolutely chronic back issues due to stress. I was working so hard, probably the same amount of hours that I am today, but I was working in a completely different way that was not good for my health. So very early on, I had a coach called Keelan Taylor, who I would thoroughly recommend. And she worked with me on how to reset the way I was working to try and change what I was working on, uh, how I was working for something that would suit me and make me kind of my life more sustainable, if you know what I mean, because I was basically working myself into the ground. So Keelan helped me to overcome my need to sort of constantly put myself under terrible pressure and work ridiculously hard and give myself backaches. And I learned to try and choose the things that I wanted to work on and how I wanted to work so that I was able to work in a better way uh, and in a more, I guess, energetic way for the things that I wanted to achieve. That makes so much sense and is so 
common, I think, as people come out of corporate and they have to really rewrite their story around what work is and what working week looks like. I think everything you've described there is so typical of um, what women particularly go through as they make this leap. I think there's a piece there about permission. You almost need a permission to work your way rather than... Yeah, rather than the way that you've been taught or kind of, I I don't like to use the word bullied, but you know, sort of everyone in the corporate world has to follow the structures of the the company that they work in. And sometimes that can feel oppressive. And I think when we release ourselves from that, it can feel strangely overwhelming to have that freedom. In particular, Lucy, it's the, the, the big, one of the biggest lessons I've learned about my own energy and my own motivation is about the times of day and the days of the week. So, you know, the temptation, and it's, I see it all the time with my clients who are still in corporate, the temptation is to sort of fill up the whole week with blocks of meetings. So, you know, uh, five meetings on Monday, seven meetings on Tuesday, et cetera, et cetera. So all week is kind of covered with meetings with only tiny bits in the middle, or even, you know, at the moment I'm hearing people having absolutely no time in the middle. Um, and what I've learned from me personally, and this would differ per, you know, per person is, I work much better in the morning. If I want to do something or write something or think about something, I work much better in the morning. So what I try to do is put my meetings all in the afternoon so that I've got, you know, free thinking, working, you know, clever time with lots of energy in the morning for me to do the important work that I want to do, whether that's for the clients or whether that's for my own writing, uh, and then put the meetings in the afternoon. And and more than that, what I try to do is sort of, you know, chunk, chunk the time so fill up Mondays with lots of catch-ups. So we have all of our team catch-ups on a Monday, but not at all for the rest of the week. Um, and then on Tuesday, because I've had Monday really full, I'll have a full day free on Tuesday. And I can't tell you the feeling that I get still today when I look at my diary and I think, oh, I've got a whole day. And I'm still working constantly all day, but it's the time that I've chosen to give myself the attention and the quality that I need for my own sort of work. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think you talk about it so in quite a kind of breezy way, but actually that's massive in terms of a mindset shift, I think, you know, giving yourself that space and to use a word that you used before, that sustainability in your own business and really kind of allow yourself to keep going without reaching burnout. And I think, you know, what you described as well at the beginning when you shifted from corporate into being a business owner, but you still had that sort of toxic work mm. ethic, which sounds weird because we always think work ethic, such a great thing. It's, it's, it's a quality. Um, but actually, there's a toxicity to it when it's, it's just that sort of busyness for being busy sake and and I've done another podcast on this actually on toxic busyness which Mm. I think will be released in the next couple of weeks um that's really a huge a huge shift and I can see how that would hugely uh, impact your own energy your creativity and give you that space to write books and not to be in the uh, day-to-day client work 100% of the time because then you're not growing and you're not expanding your business and moving forward yeah absolutely so I started off um in just by myself freelancing but I got too busy and I couldn't fulfill all the projects that I was getting so I started to look for different people that I could partner with who could help me to fulfill those projects that we were getting and what I had learned about myself I tried to give other people permission to do as well so we've always like I said at the beginning we've always had a transparent way of working where we completely trust you we, we all use hours trackers so we all track every single bit of our time on any project so that we know where we're spending our time we know how to charge the client but we don't question each other about what time of day we work or when we work or what we're doing it's so we've we've tried to give everybody else permission to make those changes too and to say what they prefer and don't prefer yeah, that's so empowering. And I love that kind of paying it forward, you know, the learnings that you uh, made and that you worked through are now helping your team and then helping you again. It's a nice circle because when your team members are more empowered and have that permission to work in a way that suits them and when trust is high, then you're only going to get increased productivity. And, you know, we often think about, we often hear about Scandinavia where they do a six hour working day and yet they get so much higher levels of productivity than the UK where people might spend 12 hours <laughs> sat in front of their desk for almost for presenteeism sake rather than actually any, or, or like you said, meeting attendance rather than any actual business uh, reasons. 
actually, it's, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Lucy, because a, a huge part of what we do and we, uh, in, our, in our culture, in our business, we are always looking for better ways of doing things, more efficient. And I don't mean efficiency just so that we can stuff more into the day, but more um, impactful ways in which we can spend our time and energy on the right things. So one of the things that we do, you know, and I'm sure it saves us at least two hours a day, is we have given each other permission to send voicemails rather than emails. So if it's something that we only need to tell each other once, even if it's, you know, to, to five people or one person, we don't spend an hour sitting down and doing a big email about a recent client meeting. What we do is we send a voicemail that takes five minutes because it only needs to be heard once. And that, yeah. that's the update and everyone has it. And honestly, I think that and the other thing that we do is only have half an hour meetings unless we really, really need to. So we we just try and make the best use of our time because it's all about what's the, you know, trying to think what's the impact of what I'm doing rather than what what have I been telling myself I need to do, which we, we can question. We can, as you say, give give each other permission to do it in a better way that suits us. And for our team, one of the things that we found in the last eight years, and it's certainly changed this year, is that because we worked from home or, or we worked remotely, I've actually got a local office, but we all work remotely. Sometimes our clients would suspect that we weren't somehow professional. Mm -hmm. So we've always had a kind of an expectation that, you know, you must be 100% professional in front of the client, which means, you know, video on, making sure you've got a professional background. Uh, you know, when somebody says, can you do 3 p.m. on a Friday, you don't say, you know, no, because I'm picking up my child. You just say, no, I'm not free that day. You know, just yeah. small things like that to, to, to maintain the um, professionalism that we all have. Um, but at the same time, what we do is we give each other permission to be completely 100% honest with each other especially if we're having a problem like, you know, something to do with our family or, or just worrying or, or crying because you're worried about a project or, or something at home. Anything that we want to share, you know, with each other is absolutely welcome because it helps us to understand each other so long as we're putting on that most important professional face to our clients and then supporting each other behind the scenes. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. And it kind of, in a way, in my head feels like that's a transition piece where... Yeah, hopefully in, in five years time, things will be quite different and COVID will have taught us a lot about productivity levels, about trusting our employees and about the way that that you know, works both ways so that people understand how when they work from home, they have to adjust their working style slightly differently to, to maybe how they would work in the office. But I really like the fact that you have that, you have each other's back because I was just reading an article this week about that hidden burden of motherhood and how it's shaded from the outside world. And one of the things I've really enjoyed about COVID is that has become more open and the conversation around it has become more open. And what you're describing feels like a kind of middle piece between full transparency that we might be able to get to in, in years to come um, and, and working within the current constraints of the business world, but equally supporting your team so thoroughly, which is really lovely. Yeah, I agree. And it's certainly been absolutely wonderful that people have been able to say, you know, I've got a parcel being delivered at the door, or sorry, this is my child, you know, nice to meet you, or here's my cat. You know, I, I'm, I just absolutely love that we are accepting each other much more from our sort of personal standpoint, as well as our professional standpoint. Um, we do, though, as an agency, still have to appeal to uh, the professional and credible side of ourselves for new clients and then develop those relationships where we can have better trust. Yeah, that's lovely. And I like that idea of a kind of iteration as the relationship gets better and better with clients. And and I definitely know that within my coaching world that as our relationship as, as client and coach gets closer and more aware of each other, kind of the polish can come off a little bit and you can be a little bit more real. And that's really nice. And I think that level of vulnerability between but even even in business between two partners can actually really increase trust, increase creativity and increase outcomes, you know, make make for a better outcome in the end. Definitely, Lucy. And I think that's something that I've really well, it just it's deeply satisfying to me that, you know, for example, you and I haven't seen each other for a while. And um, many of my clients have been people that I've known for the last 20 years. And I wanted to really point that out is that one of the things that's been very satisfying for me as a business owner is being able to develop the authenticity and transparency and honesty that 
perhaps I've not seen from other agencies when I was on the client side, which I was really fastidious about providing. So, you know, I want to develop long-term trusted relationships where they trust us 100% and they do. So many of my clients have been clients for over 10 years. Many of the team that, that are in my team, we've been working together for 15 years. But you know, even down to the perspective of transparency, you know, we are 100% transparent with our clients on budgets, for example. We tell them what the project has spent and we, and we give money back quite regularly, which you know, is unheard of sometimes. Wow. I think <laughs> we, you know, we, we've, we've really developed, and, and it's because I really wanted to make sure that we were always being authentic. So, and and those long-term relationships of trust, which have basically come from people that I used to work in the same business as, and now I'm on the outside, but we still trust each other and I, we prove it time and again. You know, that's what feels good. And, you know, when COVID hit, I was fascinated because actually I don't have lots of time for friends, actually. It's one of the things that, you know, people say you can only have a couple of things on the burner and my, my burner are fitness and health. Uh, family uh, and work, you know, and probably learning. And so, you know, I don't have that many friends that I spend lots of time with. But what I did have was wonderful colleagues that I've worked with for 20 years. And okay, maybe I don't meet up with them of an evening to go out for dinner, but we do speak to each other. And we and I phoned up lots of my colleagues that I've been working with for years, and we just had proper catch ups. And that was really satisfying. You know, we're, we're friends as well as colleagues. Yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? And I think in a way this year of lockdown, um, because it really does feel like a year, um, has opened up new ideas for us in terms of keeping in touch remotely. I mean, this is slightly going off the subject matter for now, but I've had a really great reunion um, remotely with a fantastic friend who I worked with in San Francisco. And we now speak every two weeks. We have a quick catch up call every two weeks. Now, I don't think before COVID we would ever have found the time for that. We would have spoken maybe once a year or occasionally, you know, back and forth on text messages. But it's been really lovely to sort of realign those priorities around what we can do and what we can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Lucy, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the things that I've really noticed is, you know, I was a client and some of the people that I now work with were in the agency and I was on the client side. Now I'm the agency and they're on the client side. And that relationship flips quite often, actually, um, over 20 years, you can imagine. And yeah. there are different iterations of it. And I would, you know, I absolutely believe in what goes around comes around and I've seen people treating agencies absolutely terribly and I've and I am now in an agency where I see people that that are my colleagues from the past treating um, us not very well sometimes and you know it's so important that we are authentic in our relationships no matter which side of a power balance you're on because that respect and that care that you give to people whether they're in your team or whether they're in other teams people will remember. And so, you know, we try to make sure that we're always working in a positive way um, and and treating everybody very fairly, whether they work for us or whether we work for them. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And I do think it's so, like you said, cyclical in your industry where you can be, the boot can be on the other foot, but also just it really sets your intention as a business owner out to the world when you treat people a certain way. You're also laying down the ground rules that that's how you expect to be treated in return, which is super important. Can I just dig into something you said, and we didn't talk about it, but I wanted to just ask you a little bit about that feeling of imposter syndrome, because you said that was really huge for you before you made the transition or whilst you're making the transition to business owner. Yes. So I've had two coaches so far. I'm sure I'll have more. Um, (laughs) The first coach was, was Keelan. The second coach was a woman who lives locally to me, who's a psychologist called Marie Stopforth. And I started working with her about a year ago when I wanted to write my new book, Supercharged Teams. And I had a massive barrier about starting to write it. I mean, I'd been collecting articles and research and studies for years about this new book, Lucy. So I knew I wanted to write it. I was, you know, I had that sort of sign in my head, which is if if I can't stop thinking about something, I know I need to do it. So I knew I, I was thinking about doing it. I knew I had to do it. But I had this massive fear that... When people read the book, the clever people that I know, the very sort of senior, often men that I know and work with, might not like it, um, which is crazy because, you know, <laughs> I've already written a book. It's it's so mad that that people 
have imposter syndrome, but we all know why we do. And I think it's, you know, a lot to do with how we've been brought up in our culture. But definitely. Um, so I, I worked with Marie, who was fantastic in helping me see that, uh, well, helping me see beyond the imposter syndrome. And basically what I learned from that coaching was I'm writing this book for everyday people. I'm writing supercharged teams for people who sit in a team. They're not necessarily the leader of the team, although they could be, but they're the people who are everyday in, you know, the, some of those teams that are really challenging or really toxic or really difficult uh, or really amazing, but the everyday person. So I'm not writing it for the very senior, you know, strategic man who's the head of any business. I'm actually writing it for everyday people. So, you know, so long as I remember who I'm empowering rather than who I'd like to impress, that helps me to remember that my work is driven by a purpose that I'm really passionate about. Yes, I love that. And I love that phrase that you just said, the remembering who you're empowering instead of who you want to impress. And I think that's something fantastic for all business owners to remember. It's a lovely way of putting it. Um, and I also think that that male voice that you've maybe had that you were worrying about, and we, I think we can all think of examples as, as women, as, as uh, in, in work and outside of work, where we have a repetitive voice that we think of or some kind of criticism. And it can stem from our past. It can stem from a particular a person a real person or it can be more of a sort of global idea of someone looking at what you're doing and dismissing it or having criticisms about it and I think one thing that I work on with my clients is to really turn the volume down on that inner critic because mm. essentially that's what it is that other person that you're putting this idea on like in your case this man who thinks that your work isn't quite up to you know the strategic level that he wants it to hopefully mm -hmm. that's kind of what you were saying um it doesn't, he doesn't actually exist. And what he's saying certainly isn't being said. So it's just something that we work on within our own mindsets. And we can really um, cause ourselves problems if we listen to that kind of internal negative dialogue too, too much. So yeah, just before we move on to the next question, if anyone listening would like to talk to me about those kind of issues, specifically about imposter syndrome, and about worrying about what others might think, and that holding you back from really progressing in your business as usual in the show notes you can book a clarity call with me or you can just go to calendly.com forward slash lucy orton and we can talk over all those issues because i just think the way that pam worded that then was absolutely brilliant and it may well have resonated really really closely with with many of you guys listening so pam thank you for that and i really feel like i'm going to use that phrase on all my marketing <laughs> for this podcast it was lovely um, Lucy, before we move on, I wanted to say something about ground rules because you mentioned it um, in relation to sort of people being in different roles and, you know, flipping between agency and clients and things like that. And one of the most important lessons that I've learned is about uh, bullying clients, unfortunately. So um, one of the things that we've noticed is um, obviously when you're in a an agency or an independent agency and you've got a client who, you know, comes with all sorts of, of power and budget uh, over you. Uh, most of the time, you know, the clients that we work with are absolutely brilliant, clever, amazing people. And, you know, we're privileged to work with them. And I've only had two instances of clients that were really tough to work with and, and unfairly tough rather than um, fairly because, you know, some projects are tough. And just back to ground rules, what we developed as a team is we developed our own anti-bullying policy. And it was something that we had to bring in to use uh, on a client who was making all of our team feel really, really bad about themselves. And um, what we eventually did was, and, and it was such a strange sort of shift in my perception, because even though I see myself as a, a small business and we're an independent uh, against one of the biggest businesses in the whole world, we can have a policy and we can have a behavior policy and we can have an anti-bullying policy. And so we published our anti-bullying policy to our huge client. And it was the first time I'd felt like we could do that. We were empowered to do that. And we set some ground rules about how we wanted to be communicated with and how we would communicate. Um, and that was really successful. So, you know, giving yourself the permission to, to create ground rules, not just for your own team, but for how your team interacts with other people is possible. And, you know, it was a great learning. 
I love that. And that's so relevant to your expertise and your ability to kind of walk the talk of creating those supercharged teams that feel so supported. And when it mattered, you were able to absolutely stand up to this kind of behemoth of a client. Um, I think that's really fantastic and shows, again, I've said this um, earlier in the podcast, but really shows that shift that you've made from corporate employee who maybe would have felt too worried to do that if it was on a big company's uh, client roster Um, and instead when you're that business owner you think hang on this is my business this is my life and these are my people my team so I'm absolutely in the position where I can put my foot down and in your case in a very structured policy driven way um, say no we don't work like that and I guess kind of what you're saying is like it or or leave us (laughs) like it or lump it um, on a sort of um, you know end game point but actually it never comes to that because people can accept criticism or they should be able to accept criticism if we're going to have these great working relationships yes absolutely I mean it is you know one of the things that um, I read an interview with Jane Fonda the other day and she and they asked her what what do you wish you'd known earlier and she said that no is a full sentence and I just love that you know one of the things that is the privilege of being a business owner and being independent and freelancing is you you do actually have the ability to say no. Now, I realize that that's really tough when, for example, you're in the middle of a project that might be going wrong or when you need the money and you feel like you need to take a project. But over time, I've got, in fact, I've got a wall of no's in my office. Uh, Over time, I know what the early signs are of somebody who, who just won't appreciate our work no matter what we do or somebody who won't work in the way that we like to work uh, no matter what we do and so starting to be able to say no earlier even if it's on small issues because it's your choice it's your life and you know laying out what you want from the work that you do yeah that's great and it's something again that I talk talk about with clients because we get to choose who our ideal clients are and we get to you know not to put too fine a point on it repel the ones we don't want to work with Um, and that can be quite a big shift for people especially if like yourself they've kind of gone through that uh, pathway of corporate job to freelance to business owner or empowered CEO because actually when you're in that freelance zone you're often a bit more feast and famine a bit more willing to take on maybe jobs that don't fill you with joy uh, or clients that don't really rock your boat because you don't have that ability to say no so much but definitely as you shift into that mindset of the empowered CEO saying no is so powerful and it's something that I again talk to clients about a lot we get to choose what we say yes to and that's really important but almost as important if not more important is choosing what we say no to and again that feeds into all the things we were talking about before to do with toxic busyness but also about those relationships that we get to choose. No, you you don't have a place in my business or you don't have a place in my life uh, more broadly. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love that idea of, of those ground rules and the ways that you have shown in really practical terms how you put that into practice. So can I ask you a slightly different question now, which is what would you have left on the table if you hadn't made the shift? So if you stayed in one of those jobs that you now work with those people as clients, what would you have left on the table? What would you have not got in the last eight years? So much, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a list. No, um, I, I think the, probably the most important one, the most important two, the first one is my fitness and my well-being. Simply by having the time that doesn't get taken up in a commute or that doesn't have to be used up by other people inviting me to meetings that I don't need to be at or, um, you know, just being in control of my time means that I can be fit and be well. And that's been a really big journey for me. I wasn't ever fit before. I wasn't a sports person before. And I learned that in order to manage my stress levels, I needed to be fit. So I go to the gym every morning or I'm starting to swim in the sea now, which is exciting in November. But things that I really honestly never thought I would do before, but it's I've had the time to be able to do that and to work my day around it. And the the next thing is just time at home. So time with my family, time with my daughter, time with my husband. You know, I, I do still work a full day, but I'm home by five and I love to cook. So I cook 
food every night. That's what I love to do. You know, so so just taking back the time that might otherwise have been wasted or used by other people without my control and giving it to myself to do what I want with. The other things that, you know, that that would have been left on the table are, you know, I've written two books, which I'm really excited and proud of. Um, I've been able to contribute locally. So when I moved to Portsmouth, I started to volunteer in the public sector and I've developed a, a new kind of methodology to bring together the volunteering community sector with health and with um, local government and with businesses locally to collaborate on big issues like childhood obesity or, um, you know, volunteering, things like that. So that time that I would have probably had to ask people's permission for, I've been able to use my own time and contribute locally when I wouldn't have had that time otherwise. You've given some concrete examples, but that's a big list in terms of your freedom, (laughs) your time, your uh, autonomy, and that real sense that, you know, you now get to direct your own life and not live to other people's rules or other people's foibles in a way. Um, So that makes that makes loads of sense and sounds fantastic. And um, what would you say you're most thankful for on on a day for your your business and your ability to be in charge of it and independent? I'm thankful for where I live because being able to be independent at the time, um, you know, I would have had to live in London, which I love London, I miss London, but at the time I would have had to live in London to do any of the corporate jobs that I wanted to do. And so to be able to live somewhere, anywhere, and lots of our team live, you know, in completely different places where you choose to live. So that's um, that's great. I get to work with my husband, which is lovely. So we work together. He helps me on all of my content. He helps me to run the business because he's got lots of big business experience. And I also, I'm very, very thankful for the people that I get to work with. My paraffin team are, you know, just the most amazing, clever people. They're the top of their game. They're super professionals. I'm constantly learning from them and we really love working together. So that's a pleasure. And then the clients that we work with are just amazing and we're always learning something new and being challenged by their incredible work as well. So a lot to be thankful for. Well, that sounds absolutely brilliant, Pam, and just wonderful to hear that passion in terms of the work you're doing and the people you're doing it with as well and and I guess that's what can happen when you become that empowered CEO you are choosing your team and you are choosing the people within it who complement you and who you can learn from and vice versa and that's a really beautiful thing thank you and and it's it's kind of we choose each other rather than me choosing them yes so uh, you know I run the business with a very clever woman called Alison Darling who's been with me from the beginning and who is the head of resources and then another amazing person called Anna Johnson who helps me on who's the head of content and who helps me on all of the amazing creative stuff that we do so we act as a team and work together to choose the right people you know to fit with how we work so even in that you know it's not just up to me it's it's all of us together and and we learn together which is really satisfying. That reminds me as well of the topic we were talking about earlier when we were talking about those business besties and that sense of not being alone in the world as an empowered CEO. And something I also really encourage my clients to do as as soon as they can is to build that team and to find those people with expertise that is different to theirs. Don't do all of the things. Don't attempt to be every single part of your business for any longer than you need to, because once you can really exist within your zone of genius and you can really um, work to your own strengths and build a team around you who have different strengths then you can really send your business into orbit and get things really moving. Lucy I couldn't agree with you more Um, the the biggest shift that helped my business to grow was me recognizing and being very honest about the things that I'm terrible at so you know finding people who are really good at the finances the invoicing uh, the diary management whatever it may be uh, those people have really enabled the whole business to grow because I'm not trying to bottleneck it through me. And, you know, there's so many alternatives at the moment. You don't need to hire someone full time. You can hire someone for one hour a week. You can hire someone for five hours a week. You know, think about what works for you and what you need help with so that you, as you say, are focused on what your zone of excellence is rather than trying to do everything. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important and so empowering to make that 
make that decision. And something I say to my clients, which can sound really rude, is I really don't care about your weaknesses. They're not interesting to me. Actually, I'm interested in your utter strengths, your areas of excellence, your your areas that really kind of fire you up and get you passionate because that's where your energy is. And you can force a you know round peg into a, a square hole and you can force yourself to do the graphics or you can force yourself, like you said, to do the finances. But if that's not your bag, you're going to drain yourself of energy and take your time away from when you could be actually bringing more money in because you're in your proper zone and in your kind of area of of real ability and skill. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> in fact, when we're hiring people, we always ask them, what do you what are you good at and what do you love doing? Those are the those are the two recruitment questions that we ask. You know, I you know, I don't care about what you can do, but you don't really like doing yeah. it. What do you love to do and what are you good at? And that's where I know where I can use you in our business. Absolutely. And that really fits into a lot of the strengths tools that I use is that sense of energy that comes from something you love at and something something you love and something you're good at versus something that you've just learned to do, like you said, or you've just kind of, you can, you can get by and you might be better than the average person, but it drains you and it doesn't make you kind of thrive. So yeah, I love that. They're great, great interviewee questions. So I think my last question before I want you to tell the listeners about the gift that you have to offer them is what would your advice be? You've given some fantastic nuggets in this interview, but what would your key piece of advice be to anyone ready or hoping to take the plunge and to really shed off that corporate story and to bring their own business idea to life? Lucy, my advice would be to anyone who's thinking about it, if you're anything like I was, you would have been thinking about it for some time. You really want to do it, but you're really worried about doing it. If you really want to do it, my advice is do it. You know, the longer you wait, later on you'll look back and say, oh, I should have done this earlier. I really should have done this earlier. But I think the thing that I see people perhaps ever so slightly getting wrong, particularly when they've been institutionalized in a corporate world, is they think they have to make some massive big decision. So I often hear people saying, you know, I'm going to give myself the summer and then when autumn comes, I'm going to make a decision as to what I'll be or what I'll do or what my you know company name is or what my product is. There are no big decisions. When you go independent, it's a journey of exploration and you can do lots of different things and you can grow like a like a plant you know you don't have to decide what you are at the beginning you just have to follow the little angles that you like and that you are exploring and it might be that for one client you work on a very cheap day rate because you love the work and they don't have the budget but you're learning and it might be on another client that you can charge more but you don't need to have one or the other you don't you know don't get hung up on a brand name or what you define yourself as or what your company website looks like i mean Obviously, those are important, but treat it as an exploration and a constant evolution. You know, you you can, I mean, we grow and change. We've already rebranded ourselves once. You know, we grow and change all the time. Uh, Every month, we're thinking of something new. So don't see it as as an end destination. Just see it as a lovely exploration. I love that. I love the idea of an exploration. And and sometimes I talk about it being when we get into that entrepreneurial mindset or that empowered CEO mindset, we have to be really experimental and almost treat it as a science experiment, like tweaking things and, and making adjustments rather than expecting to get anything right first time. And another thing I like to think of is nothing is forever. It's just for now. So you can give it a go. You can try it. You can uh, experiment, as we said, and you can just see how it how it flows and how it feels. And that's okay. And I, I really agree with you that when we come from that institutionalized, and I love that word, um, way of thinking from the corporate world, we can think there's only one pathway or things have to be done in really sort of clear steps. And actually, it's a bit messier in the world of being a business owner. And the you know life is a bit messy. And I think when we can embrace that messy middle, and really understand that things don't have to follow a very linear set path and that things can be tweaked, then it's really freeing and really can open up our minds to more creative solutions and fantastic business opportunities. You're totally right, Lucy. You know, we we see each other when we work in serious businesses, we see each other as kind of machines who, who, uh, you know, produce sausages uh, to order. And actually, it's not like that at all. Life is, is not like that. And you know, there are much, there are many more ebbs and flows. And it's hard to, you know, lay back and trust in the ebbs and flows, particularly when you're starting out. But, 
you know, we're not sausage machines. <laughs> we're, we're people who are experiencing and learning. And, you know, the thing that holds us always safe is the fact that we've got incredible expertise. We've come from, you know, amazing businesses that have taught us more than we'll ever know until you start to apply it and you realize how much you do know. So, you know, just trust that you have wonderful experience to share with people and then, you know, try and enjoy the ebbs and flows of the journey rather than treating yourself like a machine. I love that. And again, you've just given me a lovely phrase for my marketing. We are not a sausage machine. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> we are not sausage machines. We are not sausage machines. Yeah, I love it. I just feel, I just have to be careful with that one because I feel like that could be misconstrued in some strange way. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> and I also wanted to emphasise that point you made about the expertise within us and the things that we've learned in corporate and that we can absolutely have that belief in ourselves to take those learnings that talent and that skill that we've honed in our jobs and move those forward with our businesses Um, really when we can grasp that when we realize how much we've learned how much we have to offer then that next piece of becoming the empowered CEO becomes so much easier. And I know for me personally, it took me a while to really recognize what I had learned and what I came out with from corporate. But when it hit me, the skills and the abilities that I had and that I could now use these for my own projects and my own passions and my own sense of purpose, it was incredibly powerful. So Pam, I honestly feel like I could keep talking to you for another hour. Um, And this is probably going to be my longest podcast episode, which is brilliant because you've given so much value and so much insight into that life of someone who's successfully made the shift, not only in terms of actually doing the do, you know, your business is thriving and it's growing and you've got a solid team, but also you're really inspiring in terms of those mindset shifts, because that really is so much of the battle. As you said, when people sort of say, I'll put a line in the sand and I'll do it next year, or I'll do it, you know, after I've done X, Y, Z, it's just a form of procrastination. It can be a form of self-sabotage. And what you've shown is those ways that we can approach things and the ways that you can tweak your mindset as you go. And, And really treating this as a journey is just absolutely fantastic. So before we finish, can you just let the listeners know what it is you've got to offer them, which is exclusive for the Resign and Shine podcast uh, listeners? Yes, Lucy, thank you. So my new book, which is called Supercharged Teams, The 30 Tools of Great Teamwork is out in February 21. And I'm going to be running for each of the chapters in the book. So there are 12 chapters full of tools. I'm going to be running an exclusive training that we'll do from March next year. And I'd like to invite your listeners to join me in an exclusive and free place on that training. You can choose to join all of the chapters or you can choose to join the chapter that you're most interested in. And um, I'd love to hear from you. So just email me at info at superchargeteams.com or go through Lucy and let me know that you listen to the Lucy podcast and I will make sure that we give you a place on that training. Fabulous. That's such a lovely offer. So I will pop all the details in the show notes as ever, or you can email Pam directly. Um, And I think, did you say there's a Facebook group? Did you just say that? I'm not sure. Uh, Yes. So there is a Facebook group. It's called Supercharged Teams. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Paraffin Pam. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'd love to be connected with you in any way that you want to. But probably the best place is on the Facebook group, because then you can see all of the other offers and the tools and the things that we share with our community. That is fabulous. Thank you so much, Pam. So it's a real pleasure to talk to you. And and I do hope that people feel reassured. It is difficult. It is challenging. But honestly, uh, to take back control of your own time and energy and to do what it is that you love to do and you're good at doing is a real privilege and we can all do it. Brilliant. That is such inspiring uh, end words there from Pam. So I will say goodbye to you, Pam. It's been fantastic talking with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for joining me every week. I will be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Resign and Shine podcast. Have a fantastic week and speak to you soon. Bye.